welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. And so what we're going to talk about today, and as long as the Lord wants us to, we're actually talking about how to stay free once you get free. I've seen so many people get free in a church service. But then I didn't see those people for a while after that church service, and they weren't free anymore. They got free, but they weren't able to stay free. Church, local churches have a ton to do with us staying free as opposed to just getting free and then back into bondage again, seven times worse. I, I am so excited and thrilled and it's such a priority in my heart to get people saved. But just as much as that's a priority, it's a priority in my heart that they don't go back to the pollutions of the world, that they don't slip back to where it's seven times worse. I'm actually very cautious about setting people free, you know, praying for them, uh, rebuking a, a problem in their life. I'm very cautious about doing that if they don't promise me they'll get filled up after that. Because Jesus said, when you're empty and clean, the same junk that went out of you is going to try to come back with seven times more problems. So clean is not enough. Getting free is wonderful, but staying free is mondo better. <laughs> how, many know, how many want to stay free once you get free? I've seen people, a lot of you, you've been in the church long enough to see, you see people come, they get gloriously set free, delivered from suicide and fear and bondage and disease and all this stuff. And because of not staying hooked, they got back into bondage. A lot of times worse than before. Staying free is wonderful. The Bible says, stand fast in the freedom wherewith Christ has made you free. And don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Staying free takes effort. You've got to stay hooked. I, I know my personal life, Carl and I have come, to, come through some hellish things in the last 34 years against us, our marriage, our church, everything. And, and I've made huge mondo mistakes. And the Lord quickened to me and said, you know why you're still here? Do you know why your kids are still here? Do you know why your grandkids love going to church? Do you know why? Do you know why you're prospering? Do you know why you're healthy? Do you know why you always overcome? Because you stayed hooked. stayed hooked and you stay free you could have a gazillion problems in your life and that's not the big deal if you stay hooked they'll all start to fall off eventually because of the momentum and the anointing that's in you and around you and so staying hooked is like some of the sheep are very interesting creatures <laughs> They're one of the only animals that could stray a mile from the sheepfold and get so disoriented they don't know where to go. And God likens his people, and, and, and he's not saying that we're just, you know, dumb sheep. He's just saying that there are evil forces. 
that hate the church. They hate your guts. There's evil forces that want you separated because lone ranger sheep are what the wolves are looking for. And church is a safe place. Actually, we, um, that's just another invite we're going to be making soon. Church is a safe place in these last days. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, Jesus said. So we're studying how to stay free. And, uh, I, you know, I don't want to go in depth on my personal testimony, but oh my. The last four, 34 years, I mean, on one side, we're having the time of our life. But really, on the other side, just to be real with you, we've had some major attacks. Some major things happened. Some demonic things. Some people have come against us. Devils have come against us. Uh, sin. All kinds of stuff. You know, I, the mistakes I've made. And we've had problems. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, we have had problems. But we got through every one of them. Every one of them that you're not supposed to get through. You talk to people today, they say, no, you're not supposed to get through that. You need to call it quits. You can't, rem you can't fix that. That can't be fixed. Too late. Too late. Already worked. That's like somebody saying, cheesecake isn't very good. Cheesecake doesn't taste good. And you're already eating it. Go, too late. <laughs> right? <laughs> the chocolate and the peanut butter, the cheese, it's, it's good. That's no good. Too late. Already experienced it. Got the victory. Got through it all. Stronger than we've ever been. So what am I saying? It really doesn't matter how many problems in your life, how many mistakes you made, how many demons are coming against you. If you stay hooked, you win. Because the gates of hell eventually will not prevail against the church. You will get out of it. And so turn to Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to talk some more about the year of the local church. We're going to talk about understanding what God has to say about the local church. Now, there's two things that God instituted, family and church. These are two things he specifically started. This might give you a little understanding why there's so much demonic opposition against the family and the church, the local church. If he started them, the devil hates them. And he wants you as far away from these things as possible. He wants to bring division, strife, ungodliness, things that will try to destroy you. But I'm telling you guys, the family and the church are two things the Lord established. You need to protect your part in both big time. I know the end time, you know, world, the world in the end times, they're thinking marriage is no big deal, church is no big deal, blah, 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 blah. Famous last words of when crisis hits, right? Um, you're really not going to know how important it is to be an active member of your local church until a crisis comes. One of the biggest problems in churchianity today, and when I say churchianity, people that are not really taking the things of God seriously, they go to church when they feel like it, if they have time, well, I have my own personal relationship with the Lord, why do I need to go to church? Because the Lord told you to. Amen. And you love Him, right? <laughs> There's... 
there's something about being a part of a local church that the devil hates. And one of the things he'll try to stir up is offense. To get you looking at flesh stuff and, and problems and mistakes. And how many of you realize there's no perfect church? If there was, you'd never grow. <laughs> right? You're going to need some problems to grow. I said you're going to need some problems to grow up. Something's got to challenge your character. If everything's honky-dory, you're not going to grow. <laughs> Come on. Are you listening, church? Do, do you understand that if you are looking for the perfect church, and if you find it, and you go, you will ruin it. <laughs> There's no such thing as a perfect church, but there is such thing as churches that love God. Who go on after they mess up. Don't quit just because of a fall. Move forward through disagreements. Grow up instead of blow up, right? <laughs> There's all kinds of opportunities right here to grow up. <laughs> Carla was teaching powerful, 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 powerful Wednesday night teachings. Wow. And she was sharing a scripture in Proverbs where it says, As iron sharpens iron... King, 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 sparks flying, king, king. So a man sharpens the character of his friend. Amen. You avoid some hard spots, you stay a baby. That's right. Amen. You need some. I just stabbed myself. Youch. I knew I should have clipped my thumbnail. But you, you, you want to grow and develop? then you're going to have to endure some jing, jing, jing. Yeah. <laughs> Peter said, after you suffered a while, he makes you perfect, established, strengthen, and settle you. He's not talking about with sickness or disease. We put our foot down and resist that junk. Christ bore that for us. But when it comes to walking in love, enduring unlovely people, disagreeing, not getting your way, if you stay put, you'll grow. You have two choices when it gets tough. Grow or go. And Paul said, endure hardness as a good soldier in Jesus Christ. Some things you just endure, and you grow in the process, and you have those uncomfortable meetings, and you look people in the eye that you don't want to look in the eye, right? And you talk about things you don't want to talk about. Here's a big word if you want to, um, man, I really stabbed myself. Here, here's, a, here's a big word you want to, um, to be friends with if you want to grow up. I can't say it. It's the S word. Submission. Submission. I know it's not a fun word, but it's an honorable word. It's not a fun word, but it's a grow up word. Now, I know some people have a bad taste in their mouth when it comes to submission because the people they were submitting to were not godly. One thing you need to know about godly authority, godly authority will never try to make anybody do anything. It's submit yourselves. It's never make people submit. So Ephesians 4, we need to read this before we get any further here. 
Jesus gave gifts to us in the form of people who are anointed and empowered to help us. So if you look here, it says um, in verse 8, Wherefore, when he, Jesus, ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Jesus gave gifts unto men. Now he that ascended, Jesus, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above the heavens that he might fill all things. And he, Jesus, gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children. Talking about spiritual children because they were physical adults he's talking to. He said that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, unstable, spasmatic, unreliable. These are traits of spiritual children can't stay in one place long enough with every wind of doctrine not even bad doctrine just oh this teaching over here oh this teaching over there oh this teaching over here when you grow up you realize it's not just about more fresh teaching it's about serving then he talks about uh, speaking the truth in love growing up in him and all things which is the head even Christ from which the whole body fitly joined together and held together by that which the pastor does no by that which every joint supplies Say, I'm a joint. <laughs> I have a supply. Come on, you're a joint and you have a supply. And this whole thing's going to work right, not just if pastor does his part and a few leaders do their part. Everybody has a part. And it says we're held together. We grow strong through what every joint supplies. Say, I have a supply for my local church. Now, a lot of that supply is found on the Ministry of Helps here in the church. We've got like 100-some people on the Ministry of Helps. Some supplies are people that financially support the work of God because they're called to be businessmen. And their part is to help in some of those areas with wisdom and finance and giving. And Everybody's got a part. There, there should, nobody should be immobile. For one thing, somebody's having to take your place. Because the work will go on with the original or a substitute. And rewards will be given out for the faithful. Following me? Um, there's a scripture, Paul talks about it a couple times. One time he says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a dear fellow servant, was sick nigh unto death. For the work of Christ's sake. He said he almost died. Paul was talking to the church. He said Epaphras almost died physically. Supplying your lack of service. Somebody almost died physically. Because somebody else wasn't doing their part. Now, Epaphras probably should have slowed down a little, but it was an honorable thing that he did. He was willing to die to see to it that the church was where it needed to be. Now, what happens in a situation like that? Well, one thing happens is Epaphras now gets a reward in heaven, and the other people don't. 
Now, if it sounds a little strong, it's because we are in the end times. And this is a very important year. And there's some things happening in our world and even in our country that we need to be a strong church. A church that can be relied on. A church that doesn't thrust one another anymore with the sword. Joel said there was a people in God's army in the book of Joel. It said they were strong, they were mighty, and they didn't thrust one another with the word of God or the sword. And they didn't break rank. And they got a job done that only God's army could get done. Amazing. So if you read on here, it says, uh, well, actually, don't read on. Go back to the verse that we just read in verse... 11 that says the gifts that Jesus gave were empowerments in people to help us. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. This is called the fivefold ministry. Leadership in the body of Christ. Most people fall in the helps category, which is just as important as the apostle, so don't think it's smaller just because it's not listed here. But this scripture in Ephesians says that Apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers are gifts from God for the perfecting of the saints. You, God's people. One translation says the maturing of the saints. Another translation says the equipping of the saints. Now, um, I was driving to church today thinking about the length of the service today. How long should it go? <laughs> And the Holy Spirit quickened me and reminded me, son, most people in that congregation today have zero problem actually enjoy sitting for two hours in front of a Hollywood movie with the F word. Some with nudity. I hope you're past that in your grow-up stage. Uh, seriously, Well, if we will sit in front of Hollywood for two hours and actually enjoy it, rebuke any thought that says an hour church service is long enough. <laughs> you, you get entertainment there. You get equipping here. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, when the evil day comes, you're going to win. That's right. The cancer's not going to spread. Go ahead. The finances are going to get fixed. The lawsuit won't kill you. You're going to get through it because you're getting equipped. I don't, I, it's time for churches that are into entertainment. That needs to be over. If somebody's entertained, great, but that should never be on our agenda. Let's entertain the saints. Entertainment won't help you in the evil day. Equipping will help you. And that's why this scripture says, for the perfecting or the equipping of the saints. And guys, listen closely. You're going to need equipping. Amen. You may go, I don't need no equipping right now. I don't need no equipping right now. You're going to need it. The evil day is coming to you, honey. Yes. It's coming. For sure. <laughs> Are you listening? The evil day comes to everybody. And the big problem is some people aren't ready for it. But if you're ready, it's like flicking flies. Because you know how to talk, think, believe, and act. 
And now it's no longer just a scripture that says you're more than a conqueror through him that loves you. It's working in your life because something's being developed in you week by week. Attitudes. Ways to say things. Faith. And really the greatest thing about a church service is not what we feel during the sermon or feel during praise. One of the greatest things about going to church is what's developed in you over time. So when, not if, when the evil day comes, you're ready. Amen. I am so thankful I went to church when I didn't feel like I needed to. Because a couple months later, I really needed what I got in church. Whoo! Put God's word in you when you don't need it, and it'll be there when you do. No deposit, no return. Amen? So what should you do when the skies are blue? Same thing you do when the skies are cloudy. Get to church, pray, read your Bible, serve, do whatever the Lord's been leading you to do. When the skies are blue, and then the problem won't be able to kill you. You'll be stronger than it. I, am, I feel strongly urged to preach on this because I still feel like a lot of people don't see the divine purpose of their attendance and assembling in a local church. It seems so optional to people. You know, I said a couple of weeks ago, I think I even said it last week, that uh, one of the reasons a lot of believers have problems in their life is because God's a part of their life. You know, like, if I have time, or if something more important doesn't come up, or, you know, it is my birthday. <laughs> Guys, listen. You, you have to get to the point where God's not a part of your life. He needs to be your life. We, um, years ago, <laughs> 34 to be exact, decided 34 years ago, we're in church every time the doors are open. It's not a part of our life. It's our life. It's important to us. The body of Christ is very, very important to us. The Father's business is very important to us. And, and this doesn't take away, yes, pray at home. Yes, seek God at home. You better. <laughs> yes, read your Bible. But if we didn't need church, and I guess poor old Jesus didn't know that, and he gave us pastors. And a teacher can't take the place of a pastor. There's a shepherd's anointing of protection that some of these other gifts don't have. Hmm? And the Lord wants you safe. There's something about... I'm an under-shepherd. You may not need me, but you're going to need the anointing on me, just like I'm going to need the anointing on you. You may not like me, but you need what's on me. I may not like you, but I need what's on you. Right? And the devil's constantly trying to separate us from our divine connections because so we don't get the nourishment from the head that we're supposed to get. The Bible says nourishment comes from the head to the, to the body of Christ through joints and bands, not directly. And the enemy knows this. Offense is one of his greatest weapons against people. He knows you can't receive from a minister you're offended at. So if he can get you offended, he can cut you off from nourishment from the head that was supposed to get to you. And it's sad. It's like a fish out of water. Flop, 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 flop. When you get out of the place you're supposed to be in. Church is supposed to be glorious and joyous. David said, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. Right? David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. 
the king, the prophet, the man of God said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tabernacles of the wicked. He had a revelation of the eternal significance connected with God's house. Jesus said, uh, he's quoted as saying, my love for your house, Father, burns in me like a fire. Psalm 69.9, contemporary English version. My love for your house. You'd think it would have said, my love for you, Father, burns in me like a fire. Uh -uh. It said, my love for your house burns in me like a fire. What's Jesus saying? He loves the things of God. Say, I'm a follower of Jesus, and you're in church at least every Sabbath day and sometimes daily. He didn't go because it was a custom of the Jewish religion. It said, as was his custom, he was in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And you talk about an imperfect church. They tried to kill him in that church, and he still went back because he wasn't there for the people. He was there because he was doing the Father's business. So look at the word here, pastors. That's plural. So what I wanted to get clear to you before we're done today is I wanted you to see that pastors, plural, means Jesus wants local churches. You can, you can find out where the local church came from in this verse right here. Jesus gave pastors. Do you see that? So pastors means that Jesus wants local churches. Who established the local church? Well, who gave pastors? Pastor means under shepherd. Who, who? Come on, somebody tell me who? Who? Jesus must have established local churches because he's the one that gave pastors. I still sometimes not sure if people quite see the fullness of what a local church is really all about. Um, do you realize Bible studies can't take the place of a local church because there's no pastoral anointing there? Wow, well, we don't need to go to no church. We have our little Bible study at home all the time. We don't need a local church. Why well, you just say it? You're rebelling. <laughs> It looks like you're doing something good, but if you look at the heart and something like that, I, I like to say it like this. The Bible says, uh, let me just let the Bible say it. Hebrews chapter 10, God said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Forsake, and we know from this scripture here, the assembling he's talking about where there's a local sheepfold and a shepherd's anointing. Hmm? Well, It'd be very dangerous today to not be a part of a local sheepfold. And the number one area of danger would be deception. Thinking you're right and you're totally off. Feeling you're right. Believing you're right and totally off. How do you know if you're, how do you know if you're being deceived or not? <laughs> one way. One way. It goes against this. Fooey on feelings, fooey on thoughts, fooey on emotions, fooey on what other people say, what the professionals say, what the experts say. You'll know if you're deceived if it's not in line with this. 
Your feelings at time will convince you that you are right, you know the truth, and you are totally duped. Feelings are a terrible, terrible confirmation that you know the truth. It just feels right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Now, it, it can feel right and be totally off, right? Anybody having fun besides me? How can you tell if the church that you're in or the church that you go to, how can you tell if a local church is of God or man just started something, something? You want some help with that? How can you tell if the local church you're interested in is actually a God-sent church or just a man went and did something? How can you tell? That's a good question. Because I have, new, I have a newsflash for the church world. The church closest to your house may not be the one God wants you in. The Bible says God has set members, everyone in the body, as it has pleased him. It may not even please you up front. You have to go a little deeper than what pleases you and what pleases your children. You better find out what pleases God. God set members in the body as it has pleased him. It may or not, may not please you. It may not. And it may not be the church closest to your house. It may not be the biggest church in town. It may not be the fanciest church with the fanciest light show. It may not be the one your kids like. Now, if it is, that's just an extra bonus. But that is no way to discern if that's the right church for you. Hmm? Let me just tell you a couple things about that. One thing you need to check out is fruit. You'll know a tree by its fruit. Amen? One of the biggest areas of fruit is love. And I'm not talking about, oh, it feels so good. It feels so good to be there. I'm talking about people who are committed. Keep their word. Refrain from saying things they feel like saying. Staying hooked. Moving forward. Not giving up. See, love, the first, the first definition of love in God's dictionary, love suffers long. Fruit. Are people getting changed? Are they getting helped? Are they growing up spiritually? You want to go to a church that's challenging you, not just petting you. <laughs> Amen. Definitely go to a church and get help. Absolutely, get help. But if you want to stay free, permanent effort is going to have to come on the scene. Right? You can't just, you know, expect everybody to do everything. You're going to have to grow up. Matter of fact, Paul says you need to go from just being taught to being a teacher. Grow. Develop. Go higher. And so when you, when you look at a church, well, number one, Jesus needs to be glorified in the church. Right? The pe people can't be hesitant to talk about the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, they'll freak out. Let them freak out. It's the precious blood of Christ. We're going to talk about it. Well, what if they leave? They can leave. Right? 
We determined a long time ago, we don't want anybody to feel like they're breaking the law if they decide to leave our church. We always leave our arms wide open and our doors wide open. Nobody's breaking the law, no bondage. But how many of you know that just because you're free to do whatever you want doesn't mean you should do whatever you feel like doing? And it doesn't mean you should do whatever you want. <laughs> just because you're free to do whatever you want doesn't mean you should do whatever you want. Find out what God wants. So, I feel like, you know, we all have to discern, is this the church for me? Jesus needs to be glorified. The Word of God needs to be taught. Personally, if I'm looking for a church, I want to know they believe in the full gospel, not just the part of the gospel. I want to know they believe in divine healing for everybody. I want to know they believe in deliverance for everybody. I want to know they believe everybody can be filled with the Holy Ghost, speak with other tongues. I'm going to want to know they believe in the full gospel because I don't have enough time to mess around part-time stuff, partial stuff. Right? A few more clicks, we're all out of here. But you also need to know that you want, if you're looking for a church for you, you, you need to make sure that the word that's causing you to grow up is being preached, not just word that's making you feel wonderful that you always agree with. You don't, you don't want to discern if it's the church for you because of no challenges and, and, and no, no, no you know, promptings to grow. You want to make sure that you'd be mature spiritually in that church. And um, you're not always going to hear things you want to hear. It's a test. I said it's a test. There's an interesting scripture, and I don't, I don't want to turn to it right now, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul said to the church at Corinth, he said, there must be heresies among you. So that, so that they that are approved might be made manifest. There must be heresies among you so that they that are approved show up. How many know when things happen in a local church that are difficult and hard and maybe shouldn't have happened? How many know at times like that the mature ones are seen and the immature ones are seen? Our response to tough situations shows us who we really are or where we're really at in our growth. Hmm? Do we got time for one more scripture? Go with me to Revelation chapter 1. I know um, some people... And again, I, I, I'm saying a lot of this is because of lack of teaching. I'd probably blame me more than anybody if, if somebody was operating in things that we're talking about any negative stuff because I just need to be a better teacher and preacher and help people. I, I, I actually, you know, in the last 34 years, there's been people that have, you know, left and done this and done that. And, and, and I want to talk about the right way to leave a church, too, because there's a right way. I mean, it should be a joyous, sad time, you know, joyous because you know the will of God's being done and sad because you'll miss him physically, but you know you'll see him in heaven. But I've, I've had people, you know, do things in the church and, and, and do some things that I wish I hadn't done and, and, and leave and this and that. And I always think, Lord, I repent. I'm sorry. I, I, I must not have taught them well. I, I, I want to be a better teacher. I want to be a better pastor. Help me to teach better, help me to pastor better because I don't want those things happening. I want to see things, I want to see people grow and develop. 
So don't think I'm coming against any person when I talk about situations like that. But in Revelation, well, let, let me say this before you turn to Revelation. One thing that I've seen that does cause people to slip and slide in their uh, commitment to their local church is they forget why they're there in the first place. They forget why they're there. They, they, they switched from God to now all they see is people. Imperfect leadership. Imperfect this, imperfect that. And it's real interesting that God can be totally in the place you're in and you not even know it. Can I ask you a question? Can God be in a place that you're in and you not even know it? Jacob had an encounter with God. He said, surely God is in this place and I knew it not. Genesis 28. Surely God is in this place and I didn't know it. Jacob, you know, Abraham's grandbaby. I mean, come on. If he couldn't perceive it, see, this is, this is where we need to get. A lot of times you'll see people, you'll see things, you'll hear audible things, you'll see lights, you'll see decisions and this and that. If you're not cautious, I'm telling you, you will see after the flesh and totally miss God. It takes some spiritual maturity to realize God's in a place when there's people everywhere in that place. I mean, it, it takes some spiritual maturity. Jacob said, surely God's in this place, and I didn't know it. Well, obviously, you can tell who believes God's in a certain place by their reverence. They're not just hearing a person or seeing a person or seeing people on a stage. They see God, and it changes their entire attitude and demeanor. They, this happened to Jesus. Of course it's going to happen in local churches today. This happened to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. They did not recognize him as a Son of God. They saw him as a carpenter. That the ones that their uh, children played with. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the son of Joseph? Are not his sisters here with us? And it said they were offended at him because they saw him after the physical and they couldn't even see God and he was right in front of them looking at them. And they saw a carpenter. And they were offended at him. And they dishonored him. And they got zero mighty works. Not because the Lord wasn't prepared. It's because they were looking too much after the physical and the natural. I mean, you're looking at me right now after the natural. You may not like my hair. You may not like my tie. You may not like my suit. You might hate the way I talk. I don't like a lot of that stuff about me either, okay? But, <laughs> but... But, don't miss God. I can't miss God in you. Don't miss God in me. Paul said, yea, though we've known Christ after the flesh, yea, now, from henceforth, we don't know him anymore after the flesh. It's, it's such a hurtful thing to just see people after the flesh. I remember when I first started listening to Kenneth Hagin. You know Kenneth E. Hagin? Man, I just said, this is not the guy I want to listen to. His voice, his tone, his mannerisms. I'll stick with Brother Copeland. <laughs> I'll stick with Brother Kenneth Copeland. But then you know what? After a while, I saw past the physical. I saw past the flesh. And my life, in my marriage, 
was saved, healed, delivered, and set free because of that divine connection that I'm still with. He's just, he's on the other side now, and I'm here. Still, still, still. I would have been dead physically if it wasn't for that divine connection. But if I was going after personality and tone and how he sounded when he preached and taught, I'd say, I'll stick with Norville Hayes and Fred Price and, you know, John Osteen and Kenneth Copeland. Kenneth Hagin's a little bit... Not my style. It's amazing how you can see past that when you're hungry enough and when you're desperate enough. So in Revelation 1, we'll wrap it up here. Go to Revelation chapter 1. I want to say this again. One of the things the Lord's doing in these last days, two things he wants to do is build strong local churches. And he wants everybody in those local churches to learn how to flow with the Holy Spirit. Two things he wants. In these last days, strong local churches, safe place, place of healing, place where you can grow up, a place where you have opportunity to serve the Lord and receive eternal rewards for things done in the body. Are you following? You know one of the coolest things about a local church? I call it a benefit of the local church. Being involved in a local church is you have opportunities to mature and grow up. Again, the iron sharpens iron. That's what we're talking about, right? Iron sharpens iron. You don't even know, we don't even know if we're submitted until we disagree with somebody. Why use the word submit if you didn't disagree? (laughs) Right? Revelation chapter 1. Look here in verse 12 and 13. John said, I turned to see the voice of him that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. John's having a vision. And in the middle of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, girt about the chest with a golden girdle. His head and hairs were white like wool, white as snow. His eyes were as a flame of fire. His feet like unto fine brass as if they burned in a furnace. His voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. His countenance was as the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. He laid his right hand upon me saying, fear not, I'm the first and the last. So go back to verse 13. He sees Jesus where? Where is Jesus? Where can you find him? In the midst of the seven golden, seven candlesticks, right? Where is Jesus? Where is Jesus when you need him? Well, if you can find the candlesticks, you can find him. You see that? Is he in the middle of seven candlesticks? What in the world is he talking about there? Go down to verse 20. John said, or Jesus is talking now, the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand are the seven gold, and the seven golden candlesticks. He said the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which you saw are the seven churches. Oh, oh, the word S is so important. What's Jesus involved with? What's he in the middle of? 
Everybody say it. Church is. Uh, and if you read the next two chapters, he's talking about seven local churches in Asia at that time. I believe it's Asia Minor now. At that time, it was Philadelphia, Smyrna, Thyatira, uh, Laodicea, Ephesus. He names all these seven churches, and these were local churches. Everybody say local. And Jesus was seen in the midst of the local churches. Now remember, God can be here and you not know it. Depending on your teachings and thoughts and beliefs. And I heard the Spirit of God say, if we'll believe more that He's here, we'll see more that He's here. And one way you can tell you believe He's here, you are very reverent. You're not playing games. You're not finding fault. You're not looking at quirks. You're believing he's here. And the more we believe he's here, the more we will see he's here. Anybody want to see that he's here? In manifestation, doing things that only he can do. Well, he's in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, which are the seven churches. And then you read every message to all seven churches in the next two chapters. And here's what it says right after the word. It says, hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Those at Laodicea got a different message than those at Thyatira. Why? Because they were in a different place. They had different challenges, different situations, different callings. And they had a different word. I often wonder what it would be like if you, never, if you just stopped going to one of those churches and you missed the message of Jesus through the angel to the pastor to the people. This is why finding your local church is so important. Because the Spirit has direct, specific, intricate words just for you and your challenges. I mean catered perfectly for you. As much as I love hearing other preachers and other teachers, I feed mostly on what the Spirit's saying to this church right here because this is where I live. This is where there's certain challenges. This is where there's a certain calling. I feed mostly on what the Spirit's saying to this church. I love listening to other preachers and teachers, but if it comes right down to it, I feed mostly on what I'm hearing here because I live here. I work here. I serve here. We better stand up. Father, we thank you. And we accept and we receive the fact that you established the local church. You're in the midst of the local churches. The book of Psalms, verse 20 says, help comes from the sanctuary. Jesus, we love you. We worship you. Uh, just let me say two things, and then we'll have our altar ministry workers come forward. One thing is when Jesus was 12 years old, his parents were looking for him because they had left town. They thought he was in the caravan. They looked. They couldn't find Jesus, their 12-year-old boy. And they went back to Jerusalem and they found Jesus in the temple, in the church. 
sitting in the midst of the doctors and teachers, hearing and answering and asking questions, and they were astounded at his, at his wisdom. And then Jesus, his parents walked in, and Jesus said, why, did you, why were you so sorrowful? Why, why were you so sad looking for me? Didn't you know I must be about my father's business? He said going to church was the father's business. That's, you need to study that out. That's Luke chapter 2. Jesus said being involved in the local church or synagogue or temple in his day is the father's business. See, if we look at it like that, it, it will be less prone to just make this a part of our lives. It is our life. I mean, you can't get away from the body of Christ if you're a member of the body of Christ. It needs to be your life. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab. 